Hi, my name is Dina Razor, and we are welcome to our podcast, Climate Money Watchdog. And we are starting this podcast and a um, investigative project to look at the money that's going to be going into the uh, climate and environmental funding that the federal government's doing, and try to figure out the best way before it's before it's passed to put in safeguards to protect the money so that it isn't uh, scammed away like a lot of like a lot of big efforts that we've been trying to do in the country in the last 10, 15, 20 years. And second of all, then once we it is passed to set up a, a organization to actually watch where the money goes and to check things and check who it is and check who the contractors are. And uh, I am doing this with Greg Williams, who I will let have him introduce himself. Hi there. Uh, so I am Greg Williams. And uh, 30 years ago, uh, Dina gave me my first full-time job. And uh, I think it remains uh, the most satisfying work that I've ever done. And it was at the Project on Government Oversight where we studied uh, federal spending and looking for uh, examples of waste, fraud, and abuse. Uh, weapons or other programs that didn't work well or cost more than they should um, or were fraudulent uh, in some way. I've spent the last, uh, most of the last 25 years uh, working in the private sector in a, a whole bunch of different roles. And I'm just excited to have this opportunity to, to get back in that kind of work uh, in the public interest. Okay, and, and like I said, I've been an author, written four books, and an investigator. I've also done, uh, besides being an investigative reporter and various things, I've also done what they call uh, QUITAM False Claims Act cases, whistleblower cases, to help whistleblowers bring money that's been stolen from the government back to the government by, through the courts. And I, what I found there is it's a lot better to put stuff in upfront when you know you're going to be spending this lot of money and you know there's going to be all kinds of companies and people and everything else who try to take advantage of it um, and in any endeavor, even though people may think climate and the environment, oh, that's pure, we're all gonna sing Kumbaya and everybody who's involved in it's gonna care so much about the earth, mother earth that they are going to watch every penny. What they don't realize there's going to be a lot of companies possibly backed by big fossil fuel that try to get in on that money and uh, subvert, subvert it for its purposes or to just make, you know, do cronyism and make money for their buddies. And uh, having been, Greg and I both started out looking at the Department of Defense. And once you've done the Department of Defense, everybody else who's trying to defraud, it's a lot easier because the Department of Defense has been doing it since the Revolutionary War <laughs> and getting away with it for the most part. Yeah, in fact, uh, the whole um, construct of Kitam uh, is an outgrowth of the Civil War, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's Abraham Lincoln was getting, you know, toothless mules and bad buckshot and everything else. And so he made this law that would made everybody like a bounty hunter. If you knew that there was fraud and waste going on, you could report, file a lawsuit on behalf of the government and get a percentage of the money back. And over the years, it kind of got bastardized because uh, it, the, lots of pressure from 
um, the DOD and other other uh, parts of the federal government. In 1986, it was it was put back the way it was that Abraham Lincoln had it, had it. I helped write on it. It has very high whistleblower protections, and I really uh, I'm myself and my uh, co-partner investigator, a man named Bob Bauman. Over the last 15, 20 years, we've returned about 200 million to the federal government, which is probably one day of toilet paper in the Pentagon. <laughs> but it's, it, and I can tell you right now, you never get the whole money back. You only get, you know, a small percentage on the dollar because these companies have, they settle, they have big lawyers and everything else. So we're, what's intriguing us in starting this podcast and everything, we're going to explore First of all, we're going to have more questions than answers right now, because how do you find rules that fit in this possibly two trillion dollars worth of expenditure? We don't know what the final bill is going to be, or it's going to be a series of bills. But what we're trying to do is to talk to people. What this podcast is going to do is talk to people that have knowledge about what works and what doesn't work, and they may not always agree and find out how you can put the right balance because most of the spending is going to be hybrids. It's not gonna be the federal government goes out, you know, uh, <clears throat> Putin style and does all, you know. There's going to be hybrids with local governments, state governments and private companies. And each one of those will have its own set of people who are involved with it rules, regulations, and um, but also uh, cronyism. And the federal government's got cronyism, but boy, sometimes when you get down to the local level, the cronyism goes wild. And so now we've got the one power that the federal government has, and that I'd really, really want to explore here so that you do it, but you also make it flexible enough that local people don't feel left out or state governments don't reject it. Um, private companies, we got to do something that's reasonable for the company, but still good for the taxpayer. All these things are complicated, but what you really want to, what you really can know is if the federal government makes a rule or a regulation or a requirement, it doesn't matter what the states and local governments and the companies do because federal rules rule all. In other words, um, if you have a, you can do, you like, it's like minimum wage. You can d give what the, the federal government minimum wage, you can go above it, but you can't go below it. And so what we're trying to do is set up, figure out through this kind of journey that we're going to go through, how we, in each one of these things, get somebody to come talk to us. We're going to have guests, lots of guests on what works and what doesn't from their perspective. Yeah, I, th I think another important ele element that uh, is worth uh, exploration is what is the right balance of the, the private uh, public um, sector and engagement? I mean, I think one of the things that we've learned um, over the last you know, 20 years of being at war is that uh, while, you know, as red-blooded uh, Americans who believe in capitalism, uh, love to think about the, uh, the, the profit motive uh, curing all, but, you know, as, as we've seen um, military contractors coming back uh, injured without health insurance, um, 
and uh, you know damage in the the course of um, you know essentially combat that was undertaken by private contractors, um, not having uh, the federal government there to do what's right, but instead having a collection of private parties uh, doing what's most economically advantageous, uh, you know, isn't always the best solution. And, um, you know, cleaning up uh, various kinds of uh, environmental problems are great examples of how um, the doing what is economically expedient uh, is often not the uh, not the best for our collective outcome. I think Greg's about ready to get arrested for trying to commit truth here. <laughs> okay, I think it went by. Yeah, I agree too. And the other part about it is is that there are there has been a big push in the last fifteen years to privatize an awful lot of things that are government the government's done in the past. And I can tell you that it's become a very hard, bad problem in the Department of Defense and other areas because they end up hiring up people that don't have the same, you know, when you're a federal worker and federal employee, you're, you, you've got to, you've, you're supposed to have your allegiance to the country. And by definition, these companies have allegiance to their shareholders. And so they make decisions that may not be for the public good, but for good for the company. And when, so when you're doing private public uh, financing um, and projects together, you really have to make sure that the, you know, that you, the federal government's still the overlord on it and that you do not have these companies by using the members of Congress and lobbying and giving money to campaigns set policy that's just not good. And it's especially crucial that we do not mess up this chance on the environment because everyone who's been involved in climate change at all says we got a short leash here we got we do not have a lot of time and one of the things that also we've got to try to do what we want to explore government federal government usually moves glacially slow and they're going to have to learn to move fast and what i would like to do and i'm heartened by the fact that um that Trump had fired the person that was in charge of logistics for vaccines a year ago, January, because the guy said, look, it's going to take a year and a half just to get the glass bottles unless you declare some kind of emergency and look at the logistics. And he didn't have enough depth of knowledge to know to get the shots in the arm is as complicated as making the vaccine. And so now I I'm, I am apolitical, you have to understand that. I've never been registered anything but an independent, so I'm not political, but I have to tell you, I quite didn't quite understand how well that we could go from practically no vaccine out there in January to um, the amount of vaccine, vaccinated people now. So Biden came in, and he obviously from his years knew how to pull the levers of government, he knew he had to do it fast. And I think that's going to be, sometimes you waste money when you have to do it fast, but you waste money because it has to be done fast. Lives are involved. This is the same with the climate change. I'm, I think once the money gets there, there's gonna be a huge pressure to move fast because all the groups have been saying we've only got so many years. So it's, it's a complicated thing. And I'm, if you've turned into this, you're probably interested and I invite all environmentalists to 
to send us suggestions of people to talk to. We're going to have um, we have a website that's uh, climatemoneywatchdog.org or .com. And uh, what we're going to do is uh, look at suggestions from it. I, I know a lot. I've been working with environmentalists in the past. And there is sort of a, I think they've begun to understand with the pipelines that um, it's a, it's really tough, but then sometimes you have to realize that suddenly there's a bunch of money going into your pet program. That doesn't mean that it's going to be spent right. And you're not going to, you don't want to end up with a Solyndra, which was a solar company that went bankrupt in Obama's thing. It was one of the few alternative energy programs that went bankrupt in, in Obama's Recovery Act. But boy, I tell you, his political opponents, you know, waved it around like a bloody shirt of why you shouldn't be doing alternative energy. So how the money is spent is also from a PR point of view, is how long are the taxpayers going to fund this. And so it's a, it's a daunting task. <laughs> and that's why I want to try to start exploring it through podcasts and eventually become the watchdogs of this big endeavor because it's so important. So I think we're going to go back and look back at what didn't work and did work and then talk to people. Well, you know, if you were king of the world or queen of the world for the day, what would you do in your area? We're going to have areas of expertise because I'm, I'm a big believer in, uh, in uh, solution journalism. In other words, we have all lived through, I don't know how many years you want to go back, but ain't it awful stories. You know, I've, I've written a lot of ain't it awful and Greg has done investigations that ain't it awful. And people are just scandal fatigued right now. And so what we want to do instead is what can we do? What safeguards can we put in to this very complicated federal government and these very complicated relationships with the states and, and private companies of, to make this work, to make environmental cleanup work? You know, I, I think this also represents an opportunity to, to maybe, you know, give a small push in the direction of uh, improved public discourse. I mean, right now, um, you know, the, the media is full of you know, pretty much only negative stories. Mm -hmm. You know, why isn't that going to work or, you know, what, uh, what was done incorrectly uh, about some other project. Um, and, you know, I, I, I think you and I both realized you know 20 or 30 years ago that um the negative stories do sell ad space not that we were selling ad space but you know, we had to sell these stories um to major publications and you know the easiest way to get their attention was you know if uh, if somebody was beat up or killed or if they you know bought a 435 dollars hammer um you know that makes for a great headline and gets people's attention and sells paper and and sells uh sells airtime but it uh it's built um a whole um probably couple of generations of uh, of journalists that uh, don't know what it's like to to do real investigative journalism and to court uh, a readership that is interested in something that takes more than 15 seconds to read right this is good this is not going to be bumpers bumper sticker journalism here. This is going to be 
uh, or what they used to call uh, when somebody did a one day wonder hearing in the Congress, they called it a drive-by shooting. And uh, we're gonna be doing what a lot of these congressional committees in the past, when they did investigate, they used to call it root canals. We're gonna be doing a lot of root canals. <laughs> So it's going to hurt, but at the end, it's, it's going to look good. <laughs> it's got to be, got to be done, you know? And uh, I, I really, I, I've always tried to not go to the people that, that have the talking points and have it all figured out and they're in a box. I've tried to find the people that are actually doing it in the government or have done it in the government and no inside job people who know what's going on in the inside, because a lot of times the legislators pass stuff that the insiders know is going to be usurped by the system. And I always said investigations are like bank robberies. They're always better when it's an inside job. So we're gonna, I'm gonna, we're gonna find the guests that you may not have heard on uh, the, the cable programs, but this is a, these are people that have lived it and, have a, and they won't all agree. And then at the end of these series of podcasts, then we're going to start talking about what we think needs to be done. And we, this is where we're really going to try to solicit uh, listeners to write us and uh, to email us about what they think should be done. If you're a working environmentalist person and what you've learned and what you've learned works and doesn't, or suggesting people that we should have on that would like to talk about this. So that's pretty much what we want to do. And Greg and I are very excited about starting this. And we're hoping that this ends up morphing into an actual watchdog project, small, small and effective. <laughs> we don't want anything big. Watchdog uh, funded, nonprofit funded watchdog things so that we can try to set up the rules. Things are moving very fast in the Congress now. Try to set up the rules and regulations that give you some protection. And then once the money starts to be spent, follow it. Databases, checking every dime where it went, you know, and problems and have whistleblowers come forward if they know the money isn't being spent right. People possibly flying false claim suits to, because it's a great deterrent for other people to cheat. Because uh, even in COVID, there, there was just an enormous amount of people trying to game the system. And it, this doesn't even have to be political. There's just plain crooks out there. Okay, there's just people who wait to see that there's a large amount of money being spent in the federal government and they make some shell company that can't be traced anywhere. And they, before you find them, they've you know stolen the family jewels. So that's gonna be our goal. And um, I hope that you will join us on this journey and send, uh, to the website, we'll have a we'll have an email, right, Greg? Yeah. Okay, we will have an email, and we'll in our next uh, program we will put it out and uh, see what kind of input we can get from people from all walks of life. And I like to say that, that I want to keep this as apolitical as possible, because I know I have a farm in Kentucky. And I know the people who are around there are very unhappy that the coal ash mountains of stuff is going into the drinking water and their kids, you know, these people uh, that Kentucky's a very red state, but these people have wells on their farms that are being polluted by heavy metals from this coal ash that's not been cleaned up and it's a huge job. And they're just as angry about their kids drinking that water 
as anybody in a blue state whose kids are drinking that water. So, you know, people, people have begun to realize that uh, this kind of thing can, uh, the cancer rates and, and uh, illness rates in Kentucky are skyrocketing in many of these poor states. And a lot of this money could go to abatement and cleaning up the mess that's already there. That's yes, part we all of need clean that's water to drink, clean air to breathe, and right. uncontaminated now, food to eat. Yeah, and that's you know that's where that's where it uh, it, it isn't. It, there's climate in the future, which is very important, trying to stop the stop the bleeding. But there's an environment what they call Earth overreach. You know, we are we are using up the resources faster than the earth can replace them. And one of the things that these, the climate legislation is supposed to aspire to is to go to these towns where this pollution is and pay the people to clean it up, the local people to clean it up rather than having big companies come in. So that they don't have, if they wanna get a job, they don't have to move out of Kentucky and go to Kansas and build, build windmills for climate change. They instead work on the coal ash that's being dumped into the Ohio River right now. Um, and where they draw their drinking water from. In fact, my farm is probably contaminated with heavy metal from that. And so I, it's personal to me. So we're gonna be looking at both of those. Um, there is an enormous amount of environmental cleanup that has to be done. Greg has worked with river organization and, and knows you know, the long-term effects of that. And so this is not a blue red state thing. And every, every, every time something like in the wildfires of California, where I live now, it was pretty bad for us, but we also blew it all the way across country until it was showing up in Ohio and Michigan and all these states, they were getting the thick choking smoke from our fires. So there, is, there are no boundaries, there are no lines, there's no red blue state lines in this, in this subject. It's, um, we need everybody. To, to work on it and to have it done so that it does not lose its potency of doing the right thing and cleaning it up because somebody did a scam and then everybody who doesn't want to spend this money uses this or an excuse to try to stop it with bumpers. Yeah, in the meantime, you know, nobody's in favor of wasting money. Yeah, right. And in federal, I, I found that that also crosses the blue, blue, uh, red state line is that people don't like to see tax money wasted. And um, I know the environmental movement doesn't want that. I know that the people who are living on near coal ash fields are sometimes in, in those rural areas are very jaded because the federal government comes in and doesn't really understand their needs and what needs to be done. So that's a, this is a very complicated subject, but we're gonna take it podcast by podcast and sort of tear it apart. And we look forward to hearing your suggestions. That's right. Uh, that sounds great. And uh, we uh, look forward to it. And next time we talk, we will give you an email to email us. And we don't care how many people email us. And uh, also, when we get this out, if you like what we're saying, uh, please pass it on to your friends and your, your networks, your social networks, because that uh, the more people we can get talking about this and coming in as guests and trying to figure out this very complicated subject, which by the way, I've done research, I don't see anybody else really looking at. There are members of Congress that are very interested in putting this kind of stuff in. So we're gonna, when we have solutions and when we come up with ideas, we're going to also 
go to them. But we're in the exploring stage now, and I hope you take this journey with us.